At lunchtime, I bought a huge orange. The size of it made us all laugh. I peeled it and shared it with Robert and Dave. They got quarters, and I had a half. And that orange, it made me so happy, as ordinary things often do. Just lately, the shopping, a walk in the park. This is peace and contentment. It's new. The rest of the day was quite easy. I did all the jobs on my list and enjoyed them and had some time over. I love you. I'm glad I exist. That was The Orange by Wendy Cope, read for us by Tate Fountain, our <laughs> guest today. Um, she is a poet, a screenwriter, director, actor, and literary editor. Ah! An absolute Tate of all trades. Oh, yes. <laughs> Love that. I will be trademarking that. <laughs> um, I love that poem. It's so beautiful. Um, I hadn't thought about it for a while, but I've I've definitely, I don't think I've heard it before, but I've read it before. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. Why, why did you choose it? <clears throat> well, oh my gosh. Um, this is a bit of a spoiler for later. There was another poet whose work I was going to read because I love them as a poet and mm. as a person. Um, but their poetry isn't necessarily something that I'm like attracted to. Mm. Um, but with with the orange, even though it's rhyming, which again is not immediately something that I reach for, there are sentiments in it that I'm like, oh, that gets to the crux of like, everything I am ever trying to say to anyone mm. <laughs> like I read I read this poem years ago and the line the final line I love you I'm glad I exist I was like oh my god yeah. that's everything that's just struck something at the core of me mm. um and so everything I write I guess is trying to get back to that in some way mm. um but yeah there's a kind of simplicity and beauty and peace and contentment as Wendy Cope says in the poem mm. um that I think is, yeah, a kind of quiet and stillness and certainty that in a way I'm, I really reach for and I'm always chasing. Mm. I think it's interesting um, because me, I come, I come from a performance poetry background mm. and like often in slam poetry circles and I think slam poetry and as a result of this performance poetry generally gets this rap of being like really shouty and aggressive mm. and like highly charged. Um, and I think I would like to move towards performance poetry personally that is more simple, soft, and like, mm. I don't know, there's, some, there's something like mm, a little bit stereotypically but feminine uh, mm. about about it you know yeah yeah um yeah and I think that's what what draws me to that Mm. poem as well it's just that kind of like oh yeah that that kind of poetry can exist and and make people feel good Mm. as well (laughs) I like that it's gentle Mm. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of power in gentleness but I I think there is like um yeah there's there's nothing wrong with with prioritizing sort of love and care and kindness Mm. and I mean, everyone's always saying this, but like, I think we could, we could all do with remembering more of that and Mm. just holding on to that. Cause Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I exist as a quote is like, nothing is 
nothing is guaranteed. <laughs> All mm. of this could end in a second and mm. I'd rather be like happy and loving and kind and enthusiastic mm. and like enjoy having an orange. <laughs> mm. Um, mm. And also I think something I like about this poem is that when I, me I mentioned it to my best friend last night, I was like, I don't know what poem to read. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and then I went through what I was thinking about and I said, the orange by Wendy Cope and she goes, oh my God yes like that's the one you've nailed it and she's not necessarily a writer herself not a huge reader of poetry but she'd read that and she'd loved it um mm. and so I think yeah there's I think poetry can get kind of highfalutin at times I know my own work can um mm. and kind of skew towards academia but um but there's something to be said if, for yeah just simplicity and yeah yeah, yeah it makes it very accessible to mm. everyone mm like yeah again that the line of i love you i'm glad i exist it's like oh uh, there's i hope no one in the world who like hasn't had that feeling that experience or like wants that you know like mm, mm, <laughs> it's mm. very sort of just like base yeah experience sure. yeah um yeah uh and also just yeah Fruit poetry. <laughs> oh my goodness! I feel like I feel like Wendy Cope is like quite an not even an early adopter. I think that would be like very indicative of a <laughs> a lack of reading on my part. But certainly in terms of popularizing fruit poetry, mm. Wendy Cope is like oh the orange. Like when I think of fruit poetry, I think of that. Mm. And then being in editing circles, it's like oh every poet has a fruit poem. Oh yeah, <laughs> or ten of them. Like yeah. there are probably thousands of anthologies you could fill with fruit poetry. Yeah. I, I personally write a lot of fruit poetry mm. and um, I have this dear friend Georgie who also writes fruit poetry and like when we like met on Instagram first and like mm. sort of we're both like oh you're you're also a poet let's let's chat sometime mm. but then when we actually read each other's poetry we were like Oh, it's because we're both fruit poets. Yes, like, <laughs> yes. There should be all these different genres. Like um, on Twitter, all of these different uh, New Zealand poets were being like, oh, are you like a gorse poet or are you a cow poet? Or are you a... It was like, maybe we should be going through the fruits. Yeah, yeah, 100%. The fruits and the vegetables, <laughs> the tubers. <laughs> but I think there's, um, I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reaching here. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm getting a bit too highfalutin, but like that I feel like writing about fruit, writing about any kind of food, mm. um, like lends itself to poetry that's more grounding, that's mm. more sort of like Well it's nourishment, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. It's mm. like in the moment, it's here and now, yes. it's like it's existence, it's to be. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And it's something fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred mm. percent. Um oh, great. I love it. <laughs> I love that. I love that poem. Mm. Um yeah. So what was what was your sort of journey into into poetry? Wow. Where did it where did it all begin? <laughs> <laughs> um well as a kid I was very fortunate in that my family were like very much into books and literature and reading to me and engaging with me and kind of across the arts. Um and I was given a lot of poetry. I can remember the specific books, but um I think I was a lot more focused really on novels and mm. prose work. Um, mm. And then when I was maybe 13 or 14 and it sort of 
really realized I was going to die and how mm. upset I was about that mm. and still am. Let's mm. not get into it. Mm. Um, I, 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 it would be like Sylvia Plath that mm. I was reading or John Keats, who's mm. like kind of <laughs> my poet boyfriend. Like well, it's like 13 and 14. That's pretty like, that's mm. pretty good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just got, I got quite attached to those things and then mm. it's only been later I think that I've that I've got more into poetry that's like casual and chill and funny and like the, uh, now I would never go for something that I mean I've just gone for a rhyming poem but some uh, I'm far less interested perhaps in really um flowery language mm. or um not that I don't think that's beautiful, but sometimes I just want to strip it all away. I'm like, mm. get rid of it. Just show me, show me the core of what you're saying and mm. get, get straight to it. I think there's a directness mm. that I, that I look mm. for now and a, a humor that I think comes from a lot of poets in Aotearoa. But mm. um, yeah, like I, before I was reading poetry from here, um, I wasn't as interested in funny or in casual or in like haha mm. or that sort of knowing wink. I was mm. like, we're going to be deep and we're going to be fraught and think mm. about things. And, and a lot of it was love poetry still. But, um, mm. but yeah, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be said for poetry that just sounds like someone's voice. Mm. Mm. When did you start writing? Like you, mm. you, you say you've always been exposed to poetry and, and like reading. Um, but when, when did the writing start for you? Ooh, kind of always. <laughs> yeah. I'm another one of those sort of precocious kids. Um, it was always writing. It was always performing. I would like climb out of baskets in the lounge oh. and do a whole show. Like it was theater. It was drama. <laughs> if anyone would like to program those basket shows, you're welcome to give me a call. Um, but yeah, so I, I would be, I'd be writing songs. I can still remember the first songs that I wrote. I, um, in year four, I was in a class that was like a digital class. It was one of the first classrooms that had loads of computers in it. And so mm. we would spend a lot of time on those computers and I would write all these stories with my friends about like a mother who was going through a hard time and like all of these things. And people were always fainting from loss of blood as like a cliffhanger. <laughs> I was really obsessed with that. That was that's, what I was reaching that's for. That's some real Plath energy there. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was very pre-Plath, but I was always channeling Sylvia. My goodness. Um, and Yeah. And then from there, sort of 13, 14, again, I've written a lot of prose that's never really been published, but um, but the poetry started to weave its way in, particularly as a teenager. Mm. Um, again, people haven't read a lot of it. Um so I've got all this writerly past that no one really knows about. Mm. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I think I've I've always been on a trajectory towards being a writer um, and toward doing this. But mm. yeah, the past few years, it's become like a proper thing. <laughs> mm, 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 mm. And we were talking earlier um, as we were chilling in the lounge with mm -hmm. some treats from Winona Forever. Ooh. Not that this is sponsored or anything. I just thought I'd give, <laughs> give a shout a call, out. Winona. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we we're, were talking about how, like, you know, you can, you can feel for a significant part of your life, like you're at the edge of mm. like being, being part of something. Um, and yeah. it sounds like you're sort of 
starting to sort of find find your your roots into Ooh. into into the into the poetry world. Yeah, I think. Um, oh, there's always the danger of being really presumptuous, right? But I think <laughs> I think I'm in. No, I th- um, over the past few months, I've really started to feel like oh. Um, yeah, maybe I am a bit more anchored in this. I think, um, well, I said it to someone last week when I was in Wellington. I was like, oh, I kind of just thought I was poetry's weird cousin in another city. And they're like, don't we all feel like that? And I was like, oh. (laughs) (laughs) So maybe it is just this sort of, um, I mean, Jenny Slate would call it like a ribbon of loneliness um, running through who you are. But but yeah, I think, mm. and I mean, part of it will come from, inclusion and and groundedness in a place can often be attributed to you by people Mm. who are watching it happen right rather Mm. than like famous people and I'm not saying I'm famous I'm not famous um but famous people (laughs) oh I'm on a podcast um but I think famous people always talk about never feeling like they're famous Mm. and I think it's because things like fame or um perceived like acceptance or placement um are things that other people put onto you Mm. or things that happen to you rather than something you feel Mm. uh, from the inside Mm. so like however certain about yourself and about your place you feel an element of that will be coming from an external Mm. external force Mm. um and you have to try not to let that sort of overpower anything that you're Mm. feeling within yourself but yeah I have noticed over the past few months people have said things that have been really really kind but like oh, like, how do you get to where you are? And I'm like, I'm somewhere? What? <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I think, yeah. I think in many ways, a lot of things have just aligned, kind of a lot of them from previous rejections and then mm. people remembering you in some way. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think there are there are roots now and projects that I really care about and I mm. feel really like lucky to be a part of and mm. loads of people I've met and mm. now can call friends and colleagues and and that's lovely the feeling of community it's Mm. yeah it's great what are some of the projects that you're feeling passionate about and feel like you're in a community well I feel like I can't talk about community without talking about starling like shout out starling starling I'm talking about you again my beloveds (laughs) can we um (laughs) tell the listeners what starling is because they might not of course so uh starling is an online literary journal for New Zealand writers um, across poetry and prose and all points in between. We would love to get some more points in between. Um, yeah, by New Zealand writers under 25. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it's a, it's a great foundational place for um, lots of writers to perhaps first be published or be published early um, and then go on to have these phenomenal careers. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've, I've snuck in uh, to the editorial committee as part of um, – part of the team for the past few issues um and issue 15 will be my my last issue on the editorial committee but getting to work with Louise and Francis and Claudia and Sinead has been like a huge a huge um huge thing for me and just Mm. something I've I've really enjoyed in terms of getting to know all of them better but also getting to experience all of this writing by (laughs) so many um poets and prose writers and everyone else from Aotearoa Mm. and like all these young people who are really talented and passionate and Mm. excited. I, for some reason, really associate Starling with Wellington. Are Mm -hmm. they based in Wellington or Uh, like what? what? hmm. 
Like I know it's for all of Aotearoa. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for some reason, when I think of styling, I'm like, that's a Wellington crew. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think that'll be because so many of the styling events have been in Wellington. Oh, like okay. Francis, um, Francis Cook. Hello, Francis, if you're listening. Shout uh, out. <laughs> one of the editors. Um, I never stop talking about Francis and Louise, but uh, he lives in Wellington. And yeah. so a lot of the launches had taken place in Wellington. Um, there had been other festival sort of slots throughout but um I think also by virtue of Wellington being quite a poetry center Mm. um that's been a place where styling has popped up a lot but Mm. it's certainly everywhere like Mm. I've I've tried to tried to bring things a little bit further up to Tamaki Mm. um and yeah we had we had a reading and a launch um that was meant to happen for issue 12 and then we got coveted out a couple of times. Mm. Um, it finally happened for issue 14 and we managed to get a couple of 12 and 13 contributors there as well. And mm. um, yeah, it was so, it was so good to get some of the Tamaki writers of Starling um, mm. into the mix and together in a space. And it was a really great, great reading. Mm. Mm. It's amazing how like having people in a physical space can also make you feel mm. more of a community vibe. Like even if you're, in contact with these people a lot mm. virtually once you're like actually in a physical space you're like oh yep I feel like a more of a sense of belonging now <laughs> especially for a journal that is online like there is no tangible evidence of styling unless you're in a unless you're in a room with people mm. or unless you print it out but mm. <laughs> I personally mm. never printed mm. out the, mm. the issues um yeah I don't know but I, th- I think that community setting um and getting to share in a space like I think it it goes all the way back to Greek theatre and the social obligation of, of attendance and like getting to share in something. It's why cinema, it's like watching a film mm. in a cinema is so different than watching it at home. It's why going to a theatre or anything live. Like mm. yeah, it's about that sort of group ritual and and um and collectiveness. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um if people want to access Starling, mm-hmm where can they find it online? Like what, what could they, how could they find it? Uh, well, they could Google Starling Magazine. I think that would help. It is mm. a website. I'm struggling now to remember whether it's starlingmag.com. I think it is. It might be starlingmagazine.com, but I think it's starlingmag.com. If they, if they, if they Google Starling Magazine NZ, yeah, they'll find it. It will yeah. 100% be there. Cool. Yeah. And they yeah. can find it on Instagram? Instagram, well. Twitter, Facebook. Yeah. Great. We're all over it. Cool. Great. Um, and what other communities are you part of at the moment? You're involved with Same Same But Different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's Same Same But Different? So Same Same But Different is Aotearoa's LGBTQIA plus uh, writers and readers festival. It's, um, yeah, it's, it's a great festival that celebrates and platforms queer writing and queer writers um, and I've been their admin and events coordinator for a series of live events um, across August and September that were postponed um, from the previous festival. Um, when again, recurring theme, it got COVIDed out and yeah. had to be online. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that's that been really great uh, in terms of getting to know um, all of the board members who were involved in literature and writing and theatre and all these different ways and getting to work with them and getting to facilitate these events with all of these writers and performers across theatre and zine making and mm. poetry. And yeah, that's been really lovely to sort of organise it and then sit back and just 
bask in the glow of it. Mm, yeah. Mm, mm, mm. I feel like, um, I feel like one of the things I've noticed with these communities is like, once you're tapped in, mm. you're like, oh, this is like this amazing thing. Yeah. But I think sometimes like wider public just don't know mm. about it. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, I just, yeah, I, I, I often wonder like, what is it that we need to tap into to make make yeah. these kinds of events more like, I don't know, I always, this is like a recurring thing on the podcast, I always <laughs> compare it to the music scene where I feel like even if you're not into a specific genre of music, like people know bands, they know artists mm. and they like will possibly even know that there is like a gig on somewhere or something like that, even if they're not like directly involved with it, mm. but often with literature to some extent theater but definitely poetry mm, mm. if you're not like if you don't have your ear to the ground if you're not like yeah. on the beat it's kind of like poetry what we have a what scene mm, mm. you know like <laughs> it's everyone in it is like we're in a renaissance yeah, of yeah. new zealand poetry yeah, 100%. and it, people are just like whoa yeah we have poets yeah those guys still exist yeah. um yeah, and I, I don't know what the answer to that is. Mm. Like, there are only so many Instagram posts you can boost <laughs> to try and <laughs> up your audience. Yeah, um, yeah I, think, I think people – I think there is a lot of interest from the general public, mm. um, but it is just exposure. And I think so mm. much of marketing – and I'm getting my arts admin hat on yeah. <laughs> right now um, – but so much of it is to do with – pre-existing audiences and what you can push and how that gets dispersed and like if your friends are sharing it and know about it then you will know about it mm. but the way that different audiences engage with traditional media or mm. traditional marketing um versus all of this stuff online like mm. I think it's just it's got to be such a sort of chemistry and mm. Mm. <laughs> um yeah, some kind of almost potion to mm, it mm. or formula. And I I don't know what that answer is, mm. but I do believe that I think ears are open yeah. <laughs> if we can access them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think realistically, um, I can, I mean, like I can't speak for other industries, but for poets quite often it's also like we don't want to waste our time and money on like marketing ourselves. Yes. You know, like we're Cringe. just kind of... <laughs> Cringe, but also like we just want to kind of want to spend our time like writing our little poems yeah. and like being being together and reading them. Like we mm. don't we don't want to spend all that energy on being like, what's the audience doing? Yes, like, exactly. What is the trend? But at the same time, like, might can potentially be a reality of. Mm. Well, I I think we have to have people who can champion mm. poets and writers. Then, mm. like, because I know that. I sort of, I mean, I said cringe before, but I find it very hard. And I mean, how many times have I said I in this podcast? But I find well, it really hard to... <laughs> <laughs> Don't say that. Um, but I, I find it really hard to publicize myself. Like mm. I, I, I would much rather, if someone asked me what I'm doing, I'm like, I'll give you the spiel, but I'm not going to mm. foist myself upon people, which I think is what mm. it can feel like. Mm. Um but when I'm doing work for Starling or for Same Same But Different, 
I'm like, have you heard about this poet? This blah, 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 and like yeah. just sort of become this like absurd town crier. And I, th- <laughs> I, I think that, and that's not me like tooting my own horn, but I feel like m- maybe if, if there are those impulses that make writers not want to publicize themselves, then it's like, oh, we need more people like, yeah, shouting more, about we them. We need more town criers. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what I really like about Starling, to be honest. Like, everyone I speak to about Starling who has been published in Starling is like, once you're published in Starling, they will champion you forever. Mm. Like, you will, you'll announce that you're doing something or you won't have even announced that you're doing something. Then you'll check Starling's Instagram story and it's like, Tate Fountain will be at the... <laughs> and you're like, how did you know? But it's this awesome, like, yeah, really supportive environment, like mm. championing people and... um yeah, and and getting the word out there about mm. about people's work. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So, are you feeling a little bit that way about your collection that is Ooh, coming out? Delicious in- segue. And <laughs> <laughs> it's coming out on the twenty seventh of October. Am I sure right? Sure is. Yeah. Um, how how are you feeling about about that coming out and like the fact that in order to get that out into the world, you do have to sort of champion yourself a little Mm. bit. Um, And who's your hype crew? Oh my goodness. (laughs) My grandma. Um, No, I I mean, I have this like legion of friends who live overseas and Ash, my editor was saying the other day, this is our highest number of international pre-orders that we've ever had. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, I don't know if that's three, but, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know who my, my hype crew is, but I think, um, working in arts admin myself I'm like okay well I'm gonna take off my like little nervous creature uh, hat and and focus on something else because you have to believe in yourself Mm. (laughs) and the work you know um Mm. and I I like what I've done (laughs) Mm. and I think it's like this this product is very much a Tate Fountain book Mm. And so if I don't champion that, then what am I doing? Mm. And so, yeah, short films will be premiering <laughs> um, on the 27th of October. And I feel really good about it. Like the the whole process has been um, really, yeah, I felt very supported in terms of my own artistic autonomy and like what I want out of the book. And I felt listened to and like totally just... Mm. Yeah, it feels it feels like my my mm. book and my product, mm. and mm. I think it's a lot easier to take ownership over something when you do feel that mm. connection to it. Yeah, um, I notice you're speaking in the in, in the passive a little bit. Um, I'm <laughs> curious when you're saying that you felt supported in in your creative vision and everything. Like who who were some of the groups along the way who like. Like for example, your publishing house and mm-hmm. some of that. Who who are these people? Who who are these people? Yeah, so short films is being published by We Are Babies Press. Mm-hmm. They are mm-hmm. a, uh, an independent publisher uh, in Te Whanganui Atara. and um, yeah, they they emailed me at the end of last year and were like, "We're interested in." a manuscript that you may have if you have one. And I was like, oh, my God, what? Because yes. uh, as far as I was concerned, they were like the cool kids, right? Yeah. And I was sort of slowly maybe working on thinking about a manuscript. But but so I'm, I'm a big believer in like when opportunities fall into your lap, you have to take them. And this was not something I ever expected. Um, 
again, I'm like fighting through the ick of talking about it right now. But um, <laughs> but yeah. And so they were like, do you have a manuscript? And I was like, give me six weeks and I can have a manuscript. <laughs> so I just feverishly sort of um, collected everything I had and put it all together. And um, yeah, so I've been working with uh, Ash and Stacy, who are my editors there, um, both poets themselves, incredible. Um, and they have really great eyes for detail and um, great suggestions like as editors um, for the work. But at the same time, they were very um, consistent about saying, if you feel strongly about this, you know, minor editorial decision or major editorial decision, like Mm -hmm. we want to know because Mm -hmm. like at the end of the day, it's your book. Right. Um, And they asked me about, you know, what I wanted for the cover and mm-hmm. <laughs> they went in and like campaigned really hard for me to get the specific artwork that I did because mm-hmm. it was the only artwork I'd ever wanted and it was mm-hmm. in a gallery and they were like, we don't know if we can get rights. And I was like, please, please, mm-hmm. um, I will beg. And so they went back and probably did way cooler begging than I would have <laughs> um, and we got it. And then it was even things like, how would you like um, – do you have any ideas about how the cover might be laid out or um, there's a section in it um, in the book about, or not about, but it's like the notes section and it's all sort of, (laughs) um, they've enabled my gimmick of like, if the if the book is short films, this extra section is the special features, and so oh, we've got great. special features. We've got director's commentary. We've got the credits. We've oh, got great. Um, and so they were like, "Yeah, let's let's do that." Like mm. nothing felt like, "Oh, I've got this little idea, and I don't know if they'll let me do it." Mm. Like that, I really really valued. Mm. And so, um, I mean, even down to designing Yawen who's the designer who's painstakingly put all of this like complicated poetry in 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 a book and on a page um we sat down over zoom and spent like 90 minutes just going through every single page every alignment every like little indentation every like frame by frame like it was a film and yeah I think for a first book experience I just cannot cannot express my gratitude enough Mm. that they cared about my work but also cared about me still having ownership and being very fastidious Mm. about these things Mm. and like yeah supporting that and championing that Mm. I really really yeah I'm really grateful for that Mm. I think um I think that that on the scale of like poets getting published like if we think like on the world level yeah yeah that's a really unique experience Mm. to be able to have that amount of creative control but also just like collaboration yes um with with your editors and and your and your press house mm. um that's that's such a cool experience um yeah. but I think also enabled by the fact that like New Zealand is so small and mm. like it, it would be really weird if they were like cold about it because you're like <laughs> we're gonna you. see each other on yeah. Thursday <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah um you can't really get away you, you almost can't get away with it um, when, when, when you're just part of the community, mm. you're like, we've, we've got to work together. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I definitely agree that I perceive we are babies press <laughs> as like cool kids. On the yeah. block. I'm like, Oh man, I see them at zine fest. I'm like, yes. Mm. I mean, if they're listening to this, they'll be like, we're not cool. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> come on. But again, it's that, it's that, it's, it's that, that thing. Yeah. It's outside oh. perspectives, everything <laughs> happening at you. Yes. 
oh. But also just like classic New Zealanders, you mm. know, being like un- unable to like gas ourselves up or yes. even just like admit that we're, that we're good at something. Um, I always like, I'm in awe of Americans just being able to like <laughs> own their shit and be mm. like, you know. I'm a poet and yeah. I've got a collection coming mm. out and like, it's really cool. And you're like, what? Mm, mm. <laughs> you can say that? Oh, I know. <laughs> I still feel hesitant to call myself a poet. Yeah. I, like, I think that's a very loaded word. And I mean, the fact is I've got a book of poems coming out. What else do you call me? <laughs> but, but like, I think, and again, it's that external perspective thing of like when a lay person, because our communities, yeah, there is that separation, I guess, mm. of like, um, how people relate to things but when like my friends dads have found out about my book they've been like oh so like is it verse or like it does it right and I'm like Mm. people are carrying around these ideas and they're lovely those dads thank you for Mm. asking and engaging Mm. and all of those things friends dads yeah shout out friends dads (laughs) um Dave you're a legend (laughs) but um yeah it's it's this I think people can ascribe a lot of meaning to what a poet is and to a certain extent, those those ideas are true, right? Like mm. we're walking around. I love you. I'm glad I exist. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, yeah, I just want to shove like New Zealand poetry under those people's noses and be like, we're actually really funny and cool, yeah. <laughs> and we use a lot of full stops <laughs> and ellipses. <laughs> I don't yeah, know, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I talking to poet friends we're like oh maybe we have to start owning this poet label <laughs> yeah yeah 100 percent. I, I i would agree i mean like i think i've told this story on the podcast before as well so we love whatever it. it is like, <laughs> yeah um but i started calling myself a poet when a friend of mine at a cafe that i i frequented shout out crumb cafe love you crumb. Mm. um introduced me as a poet because like at the time I was working full-time as a teacher and like I was dipping my toe into poetry Mm. and like you know starting to post it online a little bit and like you know whatever and um yeah he introduced me to someone he's like oh this is my friend Sarah she's a poet and I was like am I (laughs) (laughs) okay um and that was like the first time I sort of like gave myself permission to Mm. call myself a poet really wasn't until someone else called me that yeah um but owning that label was like, mm. this is great. This is yeah. really cool. Um, and also opened up my own mind about like what poetry could be because I'm like, if what I'm doing is poetry, then all these other things can be poetry yes, as well. For sure. Um, I was talking to someone the other day who is a comedian. Like he's he he does stand up. Mm-hmm. He also like teaches music. At, at like a like a itinerant music teacher at Legend. school. Yeah, yeah. At, at, he cool guy. Um, but he does stand up comedy and I was like, Oh cool, like when's the open mic? Blah blah blah. Mm. And um he's like, Oh, do you do comedy? And I was like, No, I do poetry, but sometimes it is kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> They're in a family, <laughs> I, in I a think. family. Um and uh earlier this year, um, our good friend Dan Goodwin mm-hmm. put on a show called Laugh Riot mm. um with people like Rose Northey and um, who else was in the show? Sam Takani mm-hmm. and so on. And um, they all did like these hilarious poems. Mm. And I'm like, this is it. Yeah. I love this. Mm. I'm very into it. I'm very into it. And I, 
I also feel like that's the sort of Kiwi vibe. We're like, yeah. we we want it to be funny, a little bit self-deprecating. Mm. Like, don't not don't take things too seriously, but like, come at it from a yeah from a like funny funny angle. I think so. Do you do that in your own poetry? <laughs> um. Because you said earlier, like, you enjoy a gentle. Yes, <laughs> I do. Um, hopefully you can get a little bit of both in my collection, mm. which she said sounding very genuine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think as a person experiencing me, <laughs> like mm. my friends, I, I'm constantly feeling like I'm kind of doing a type five at them. Mm. Like I'm sort of always this jester um, mm. or trying to be. And Perhaps that comes from some like teenage thing of being like, I don't think I'm funny, but I'd really like to be. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But then I'll get told by people like, oh, like Ash and Stacy, for example, they're like, oh, we're editing your book and we're still laughing at the jokes. And I'm like, oh, maybe I do have jokes. <laughs> maybe maybe it's like I've, I've got all of these heartfelt, um, really declarative kind of gentle moments and then – maybe there are some zingers in there. I'd like to be able to give people a sort of rounded mm. experience because mm. I mean, not that you can get away with quote unquote, but you can get away with the academic side of things or the serious side of things or the romantic side of things and the funny. Like I think mm. I'm attracted to comedy. I love like I, I'm, that's the type of film I want to watch. That's the type of, uh, TV I want to watch that's the kind of thing I want to engage in like I love I love stand up am not one so maybe that's why I'm a poet but um, but yeah I I want to get a bit of that that humor in there and I think I think that's been something that's evolved with further exposure to New Zealand poetry mm. because looking back at my teenage poetry written by someone who definitely would have called herself a poet mm. um it's way more serious. Like mm. there is not space for humor. But I think when I moved back here in 2019, after spending a year in Ireland <laughs> studying abroad, um, <laughs> which I try not to bring up and now have brought up, um, <laughs> but suddenly I was reading all of these New Zealand poems and I was feeling really disillusioned with what poetry was and what my own poetry was. Mm. And there was this huge shift and I remember just being like, Ugh, and I wrote this poem, Dolores, which was actually the first poem that Starling published. Mm. And that was how a lot of people sort of, that was their baseline for me then. That oh, was the first yeah. thing they read from me. And I was like, oh no, this was something completely different. Mm. But uh, yeah, I suppose it's that coming at it from a different angle and those approaches that can change and evolve over time. So mm. like, maybe I am funny now. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, it's interesting that you were talking about how like you like we're, we're talking about like being genuine and also like being funny mm. and I, I feel like there's something interesting there where I think sometimes I perceive like I don't know laughing through something is not or, or people maybe not just me but like people perceive laughing through something as like not being genuine like mm. you're trying to like run around it but it I think that there's something to be said for like humor actually giving you the space to mm. be like really genuine yeah. and honest yeah for <laughs> sure something um and I think we often do that mm. as, as Kiwis we're like we find it really difficult to approach this topic so we're gonna 
So we're going to have a laugh about yes. it to make space for it. Um, well, never a truer word spoken than in jest, right? Mm. Like, yeah, and I think there's also something about laughter is so frequently something that's shared. So mm. it's perhaps you're talking about something difficult or expressing uh, something quite vulnerable, but it makes it an, ooh, it makes it, <laughs> just playing with the mic here, gesturing <laughs> too much, um, but it makes it automatically a community vibe like it, it yeah. brings it brings you together with someone and cuts through that isolation which is such a huge ingredient of yeah. of whatever's making you tender yeah 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 100% um not poetry but I want to <laughs> lean on as an example of just this like thing of using humor um want to give a shout out to Alice Sneddon's bad news oh my goodness oh. yes love I, it love it love it <laughs> I feel like that's like such a good example of that. Mm. Like always crack up, always absolutely heart-wrenching, always like, oh, yes, man, we are really cooked. <laughs> yes. And yeah, and taking ownership of that. Yeah. 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 And, and just acknowledging it and not like pussyfooting around it trying to get the right words. Like yeah. the reality is like sometimes things just are cooked. Yeah. But also managing to do that in a way that is also crack up but respectful. Yes. You know? Um, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't listened to, there's a podcast episode with her in it where she talks about the experience of making bad news and maybe I, I have should, listened to that. You have listened yes, to it? I'm a podcast fiend. <laughs> okay, great. Um, I wonder how she feels in that in terms of like towing that line of also like respecting mm. really heavy topics Yeah, because like. I feel like on on the surface, if I was like, oh, yeah, this person did an episode about, like, racism and yeah. colonization, talking about te tiriti, mm. and it was, like, it was bad news, yeah. but also, like, it was really funny. People might be like, how the fuck can that be funny? Mm, mm. <laughs> but that's that thing of, of comedy. It's that's how they sneak in and get you, right? Mm. Like when you're laughing, that's when the punch comes mm. in, the, in the drama or in the sort of intellectual exercise. Like mm. laughter makes you open. Mm. Um, There's a vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I think you're ready to receive something if, you, if you're already in that place of like, mm. oh, I'm laughing. Oh, I'm – because there's – in order to receive comedy and to like get on a joke, you have to be listening. Mm. right so yeah I think I think comedy is a, a real tool for um social messaging or emotional messaging mm. or just all of all of those things mm. Mm. maybe that's what the poetry community needs to do to get <laughs> yeah. everybody on board we need to be funny and like make friends with comedians yes <laughs> yes I think, yeah, I mean, I said earlier, we're in a family. I kind of think we are cousins. It's just yeah. like some people are like, hey, 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 and the others are like crying in a corner with a lute, um, <laughs> which can be quite funny, I reckon, if you cut it right in the right. edit. <laughs> <laughs> the, the funny jester crying with a lute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love it. Um, so it's a little bit of a jump, but also a little bit of a jump back. Mm -hmm. But your collection is called Short Films. Indeed. Why is it called short films? Uh, there's like a an artistic answer and a sort of tongue-in-cheek answer. Uh, <laughs> Classic. <laughs> the tongue-in-cheek answer is that I was in a conversation with someone at the Film Commission and they said, if you want to write films, write features. 
And if you want to direct, like as someone who's starting out, you make short films. And I'm like, well, I am trying to get all of these projects made and make things happen. Um, but something that I know will come into the world as someone who wants to direct is this poetry collection that I'm writing. Mm. And so I was like, huh, well, if you want to direct, make short films. And so I went and did it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But on an artistic level, I think it also speaks to my relationship to poetry as something that is like a visual document um, in terms of page poetry. When I'm writing a poem, I've kind of become, I've cultivated this (laughs) like reputation as someone who does bonkers formatting um that's really fastidious and difficult especially for digital publications um but I'm always arranging something like I'm composing a shot or like a painting or um a photograph like it's it's very much a visual thing as as much as it is a written thing Mm. and so I think if we take that and see the collection as a kind of cinematic journey if you will um yeah, there are all of these little products and little contained stories, so short films. Um, mm. And I always lean towards cinema, like that's where my um, influences are. Mm. And so I thought, how can we, how can we combine these things, um, these tiny little visual documents that give you as much about the state of mind or attitude of a poem in what they look like mm. as in the words. Um, yeah, it just felt like the right thing to call it and not something too serious. Like I, I'm I'm already thinking about um, what my next collection might be called. I'm, I haven't <laughs> written any of it, but I'm like, I've got the name. It may change. I'm not going to say it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just think it was one of the first titles I thought of and it felt right. And it's this sort of confusing um, multimodal <laughs> medium approach um yeah that I like to take and so there it is short films that's cool I love that and like um so uh meant to exist on the page yeah which which is great I think it's um something as primarily a performance poet that like I don't know I I think all performance poetry can exist on on the page and Mm. I think all page poetry can exist in performance but like I think sometimes that's that's the daunting step for me I'm like oh man, my poem has so much life when it's performed. How can I keep it alive mm. on the page? Um, so it's yeah. cool that you've made something which is like so beautifully bookish. Yeah. Like, you know? <laughs> I mean, I, I got to the end of writing it and I was like, oh. I, I started writing poems that weren't as um, as involved in the formatting of them so that I had something that I could read because mm. I didn't want elements of the poem to be getting lost in the translation or the adaptation from page to performance. Mm. And so there are some poems in the collection that are far easier to read because you're not missing out on anything with alignments of like square brackets or, Mm. or what any of that means. So Mm. I think it definitely is that sort of push and pull of, of page and performance. Mm. Mm. But I guess it's also kind of like if you were to release a collection of like actual short films, Mm. there'd be some, which are like experimental and take you on like an audiovisual journey yes. and you know lolly scramble, and then other ones which are just like 
nice little vignettes that yes. we can that we can easily access. Absolutely. <laughs> there is also a poem in the book called Vignettes. Oh, so. <laughs> great. <laughs> <Woo>! great. <laughs> um amazing. Amazing. Are you how are you feeling about like releasing it into the world? You've you've had I saw on Instagram that you got like a like a what what are you a proof, proof copy? copy? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um it feels I want to say it feels ridiculous, but to be honest, it, it doesn't. I think like the idea of releasing a book will always feel a bit ridiculous. Mm. Um, there's part of me that feels like two people will read it, which mm. is fine. I kind of, I, I never anticipate an audience for anything. Mm. Um, but at the same time at the moment, I kind of just feel like nothing will happen. Like mm. it will be out there. And I just, I, for someone who's always trying to think forward and plan and narrativize, mm. I, I just, there's like that's something that doesn't exist it's beyond me mm. <laughs> it's gone from me now mm. so yeah mm, 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 mm. yeah well I feel like you've got some guaranteed readers um <laughs> including your grandma I just want to shout out my to beloved grandma, grandma. <laughs> she's in all my stories when we were off air very podcasty term I've told like two stories prominently featuring my grandma so hi grandma I'm sure you'll be listening I hope you're not doing housework at the same time calm down grandma <laughs> But she also gifted you this dress that you're wearing. Yes, she did. Uh, for the for the listener, um, I'm rubbish with materials and fashion, unfortunately. But it's sort of it's a chiffon. Yeah, it's a chiffon, um, and it's got like purpley flowers on it, black background, kind of sheer, um, flowy very poety it's beautiful if if people are listening on spotify they'll be able to see oh yes of course on the artwork artwork, yeah or you can look on instagram as well tiki um but yeah she she's the kind of person who (laughs) will just text me i bought you a dress out of no no sizing no nothing and then she'll just bring it to me when she sees me and it's perfectly sized and I think that in itself is a poem but not the kind of poem you can write like that just has to be something that exists you know some things you shouldn't write them into poetry because they are poems um Mm. but yeah thanks for the dress grandma everyone always comments on it (laughs) what's your grandma's name Mari Mari shout out Mari oh my gosh now I'm emotional Mari's mentioned in the podcast (laughs) I reckon we should always shout out our grandmas. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like that this is going to sound like a super weird segue from talking about your grandma and, and the dress? <laughs> do you feel like you are part of the Auckland poetry whānau or like, you know, like do you do you feel like you have – poetry community here Mm. I think by virtue of it being such a large area there Mm. are different pockets of a poetry community um yeah like I'd say there's like probably a really strong slam community that Mm. I'm not as much a part of Mm. but there are those little crossovers and the various Venn diagrams Mm. um and I've been speaking to a lot of people who are like we really want to cultivate something that is more of a collective because uh, there are so many of us up here. And I think our geography does play a big part in it. Like mm. being down in Wellington, it's like, oh, I can understand how everyone seems to collect because mm. it has this CBD that like facilitates yeah. 
that with these readings and all these locations yeah. and blah blah Everybody blah comes flows down the hills exactly. into the community <laughs> exactly um when i was down there it's the reverse of auckland like our mm. cbd is so hilly in comparison mm. to everything anyway um yeah i think there are there are lots of communities mm. and i think probably a lot of people at work um trying to merge those or find Mm. a way for like an overall sort of shared Mm. coexistence and experience i think this podcast is a great measure of that legend um (laughs) yeah no it's it's really awesome um yeah i think yeah i'll end i'll end on that i was gonna try and intellectualize (laughs) but i've actually said everything like i think there are lots of us around who who really want to want to build something up and continue Mm. to cultivate things Mm. and it's it's steps like this podcast that will Mm. get us there Mm. i think um on uh the last episode i recorded with muhammad hassan Mm -hmm. um one of the things he mentioned was just like everybody also just has the power to like create a space yeah as well you know like if if you want to write poems together, get your mates together, write some poems. Mm, you know? <laughs> mm. If you want to do a poetry performance, like invite, invite people on Instagram and like do a little poetry performance. You yeah. Know? Um, there was this very cute poetry moment. I don't know how many people came from outside of Auckland, but technically it wasn't geographically confined because mm. it was during lockdown last mm-hmm. year called Poetry in Pajamas. And it was just this, there was actually, there were two of them um, where people came on and like everybody was encouraged to dress in their pajamas because everybody's at home. Uh Um, And then people read read some poems and I was like, this is such a cool, I mean like it was weird because we weren't like together together, but Mm -hmm. it was like such a cool little moment of like connection and community um, that I kind of, uh, I don't know. I didn't really like expect, mm, I don't know. Mm, I was like, mm. Oh wow. Okay. Like I didn't expect this many people to show up yeah. to a zoom thing called poetry in pajamas, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people just like made it happen. And then like a few months later, I, I like, I was hanging out with a mate and, um, this person came on the street and we're like, Oh, Hey. And then they're like, Oh, are you? Sazok? And I was like, <laughs> oh shit, yeah, I Famous. am. And then they're like, I saw you in poetry and pajamas. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's awesome. So I just think, yeah, I think like taking opportunities to create these little spaces mm. um, can can build that community. Um, and you talk about the podcast being a like way of doing that. But I think also publishing a book <laughs> is part of that as well, legitimately, because like, when people have a shared experience of like reading someone's mm. collection of poetry, a community builds around that and you're like, I don't wow. know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I do. I do. <laughs> you're um, like, I'm not ready for that power. <laughs> no. Turn me into a cult leader. You heard it here first. Uh, I, yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with that. And I think part of that's part of the reason I'm so excited for my launches. Mm. Like, because just how often, I mean, no one may come. We don't know. But um, people will come. Cool. <laughs> Have faith in yourself, Tate Fountain. Um, but how frequently 
do we get people together in a room? Mm. And like, I will probably just be beside myself with nerves all night. Mm. Like it's your birthday party and you can't enjoy it, but everyone else <laughs> is having a good time. Um, but yeah, I think just creating those spaces and opportunities for connection. Mm. And I'm really excited to have Jackson McCarthy mm. reading and Maddie Ballard introducing me mm. and like, yeah, just getting to be around people and poets and writers mm. and just sort of laughing together and sharing in that space will be great. When's the launch? October 27th. It is at SOAP. It's oh, the same day as the soap. publication. SOAP! Um, <laughs> to which I have never been but have walked past many times. And oh, I've um, had many a nights at SOAP. I have mm. laughed on the dance floor. I've cried on the dance floor. I've performed at SOAP. Well, that's, Shout out, that's soap. everything I want <laughs> at my book launch. Uh, so it sounds like the perfect place. Um, but yeah, that'll be at 6pm um, mm. on the 27th. You are all welcome. Yeah, <laughs> come through. Yeah, come on. Um, yeah. Oh my gosh, it's exciting times. Great, <laughs> great. Can't wait. And will Strange Goods have your book? I don't know. Okay. I've okay. there's, I I've sort of been meaning to <laughs> to start, hang, like, barraging my um my publishers with that but there are a few businesses along Karangahape Road that I'm like oh if I walked in and saw short films there I would be like ah so great we'll we see it we'll make it happen great fantastic mm. okay would you like to share a poem from short films omg yes great <laughs> fantastic okay um it's about John Keats actually um which is why I was he's he's the one I was thinking about earlier whom I love as a person mm. um and yeah so in this poem it's it's actually set in Tamaki so that's cool or at least part of it is but um right yeah this is one of a few poems I've written where I'm kind of trying to seduce John Keats <laughs> uh, it's called would I were John is it too much to say I'm every murmuration over your grave Starlings curling like smoke, spelling your name in hard water. Let the odes and little faces stain the shower door forever. I'll reach for the top shelves in the pantry. I know your second-hand smug Byron's shorter than me. Darling, was it the bad review or was it love for your brother? I can understand the urge to nurse the one whose illness kills you. I've run down rugby fields and moved continents that time. Give my love to that other tea, for always. John, I'll ignore my heart and my mouth when we reach the piazza. You can point at your favourite half-sunken boat and say, Oh, sweetheart, it's your cousin. Because some things never age, among them wordplay and dead loved ones. And when we get to the house in Hampstead, I'll bring my hand to your copper brow, touch light as dewdrops or the glow of the moon. I'll read in the chair your elbow rests on. John, I think you're good for my catastrophizing. Forget WebMD with an in-house doctor. You will know if the bloom is arterial. I say that now, but don't think I'd want to ask you. John, when we go to that gig, we'll stand bracketed in the corner. I'll steal hot chips over your shoulder from the basket you're holding. You'll lean back against me, crown against clavicle, vantage points be damned. And when that doesn't work out, I'll say it's nobody's fault. Very funny, yes, blame Odysseus. And we can head for the wharf where the lighthouse bleeds crimson. It's my neck of the woods. Electric sunset, light pollution. But the sea air is fresh. 
all the world for the both of us. And there the cool cracked onyx of the evening will unspool, glinting with descendant time and several blazing stars. And if you go quiet, I will know why. And I will extend my left hand through marble and centuries, all to say, John, you are not going anywhere. <laughs>